0: I live in Japan, where Pokemon is still very much a huge deal. Cards, merchandise, anything really. Just like the rest of the world, card scalping is a huge thing. Personally, I feel the game is for kids, and do my best to allow kids to enjoy it. I also despise scalpers, and only ask people to pay what I paid with no markup. I recently offered my services to a group on Facebook, and was flooded with people who wanted Japanese cards. Okay, no problem. I can help. So I start helping people when in pops Mr. Ran. Now, Mr. Ran introduced himself to me as a card shop owner who wanted 20 to 50 boxes of the latest set. I tell him, sure, why not? And start searching for boxes in his price range. I found around 20 or so, asked him several times, are you sure this is what you want? Is this price okay for you? I'm going to buy them now. All the while he says, yes, please, I'll pay you once you've bought them. Now, call me naive, but I did buy them. to the tune of $2, When I told him the final cost with shipping, he immediately said, hey man, do you have any references? I haven't seen you in the group before. I want security. I'll give the money to the admins as an escrow and you'll get it once the product arrives. Now, I've actually just spent $2,600 on Pokemon cards I don't want or need with money I don't actually have. And now, this guy wants to not pay me until they arrive? That could be a 2-3 to week wait. No, that is not happening. So I give him way too much information my address in Japan my Facebook and Instagram account etc It wasn't enough. I tell him we actually share common friends on Facebook. That also wasn't enough I tell him names of people who I'm currently selling to still not enough. I was in a cold sweat I'm about to be thrown for $2,600 under the bus by someone who reached out to me and despite several checks refuses to back down I finally said listen Do you want these or not? He said, No, thank you. Too many red flags. Sell to somebody else. Okay. Fine, I will sell to somebody else. I Google his card shop. Turns out it's competing with another card shop just down the road. I message that owner and he is also looking for the same cards and will pay the same price. But I tell him the only condition is that he sells the boxes for $5 less than Mr. Ran. Done deal. So now Mr. Ran has to deal with the competing card shop getting 20 something boxes of the latest and most wanted stock and underselling him. All because he wanted to take advantage of someone trying to help him out by refusing to pay until cards in hand this story is absolutely insane especially when you see how mr rand is acting mr rand reached out to this man to try and purchase some pokemon cards and then snakes him right after he just spent two thousand six hundred dollars that's a lot of money for someone to spend With the expectation of getting it back. On top of that, this man was not buying these just to upsell this individual. He was buying it so that he could sell it for the exact same price. It's even worse because this man was trying to help out Mr. Ran. He was trying to get him a good deal on Japanese Pokemon cards. And this guy just completely snakes him. Pokemon cards are such a hot commodity that it's crazy how people will act when they don't get exactly what they want. Or they try and get some kind of deal that is absolutely shady. The way Mr. Ran acted is just inexcusable. It's not at all okay. and I think it's fantastic that this guy sold to a competing card shop, and not only sold it to that card shop that's in competition with Mr. Rand, but also told him, hey, here are the cards, but you have to undersell them. That is, to me, a brilliant strategy. Sure, it may be a little petty, but at the end of the day, this guy almost cost him $2,600. That is a huge chunk of change that that guy would have had to eat if nobody bought these cards. Thankfully, he was able to find a vendor, and it all kind of worked out in the end. But leave a comment down below. Have you ever had a shady situation like this happened before. This one is probably the most unique way I've ever heard of someone getting out of a traffic ticket. It happened this morning. Even though I made a complete and full stop on a four-way stop, I got pulled over by a police vehicle, lights flashing the works. I turn my dash cam around to face me and whomever goes in front of the driver's side window. I roll it down and ask, what seems to be the problem, officer? Officer looks at me the way one would look at a sticky piece of gum stuck to the bottom of one's shoe. You didn't make a complete stop, he says. I I adjust one of my hearing aids and before I could speak, he firmly orders Sir, take off your earphones when I'm talking to you. I take both hearing aids off and look at him. I can read lips a little, but we're both masked so I can't understand what he's saying. I communicate in sign language simultaneously while speaking verbally. I say, I'm deaf and I didn't understand what you just said. Can you communicate to me in ASL American Sign Language? Please. He points at my hearing aids that look like Apple AirPods, motioning me to put them on. I respond, yes officer. Without those, I can only communicate in ASL. Please instruct me in ASL and I will be compliant in every way possible. He looks at the dash cam that's neatly pointed squarely at us and mumbles, Oh God. He then motions for me to go, giving me two thumbs up. Needless to say, I rolled up the window and drove away as fast and as legally as possible. Couldn't wipe the smile off my face all day. This driver got super lucky. This could have been so much different if that police officer knew ASL and started communicating with him. This would have been a completely different story. At the end of the day, the driver did the right move. When the police officer instructs you to do something, you do it. It's comical that the police officer didn't take just a few more seconds to try and judge what it is that was in this person's ear. Was it really a headphone or was it a hearing aid? At the end of the day, the driver did the best move possible and it worked out in his favor. But what would you have done? Leave a comment down below. Let us know. So, I started a new job about two years ago. And finally found a job I'm naturally good at, which has been amazing as my performance has been top-notch, no disciplinary actions, and even a few awards. So I started helping out my fellow co-workers when they are struggling, and especially helping out the newbies who just got off training, which is garbage generic training for three weeks, which literally has nothing to do with our sectors, and we're literally told to forget everything we learn because it does not apply to us. So naturally, the newbies struggle a lot at the start, and that takes the performance for the the entire team. So I wanted to be a good team player now that I finally felt like I knew what I was doing. Apparently, that was a mistake on my part. After three months of helping my team, I was called into a meeting with our coach to discuss my behavior. I was told that I was not allowed to help my co-workers because I am not trained in that field and only the higher-ups are supposed to answer questions and make decisions within our job, which would be fine and understandable if the coach was available for the entire eight-hour shift to answer questions and help people people, which they are not. I pointed this out along with some statistics that since I started helping out answering questions, our performance has gone up each month and it helps the newbies feel welcomed as they have a non-superior they can ask questions to without worry. Another mistake on my part. Our coach got really, really angry and I was basically told that this is how it is and if I'm caught giving unsanctioned help again, I will receive disciplinary action. Okay, fine. Have it your way then, you sad, pathetic excuse of a human. I Screenshot of the conversation, dug up performance reports prior to me helping, during me helping, and for the next three months without me helping. And wow, (laughs) shocker! We started tanking in our performance, so the entire team got called into a big meeting with the higher, higher ups, our manager, and coach to discuss what on earth is going on and why we are doing so terrible. I let everyone speak and say their piece, and at the end of the meeting, I just asked if I could have five minutes of one of the big chiefs' time, as I think I might have a solution to improve our performance. And he was actually surprisingly interested. So he called me up after the meeting to hear me out. And I told him about the whole situation. Showed screenshots, performance results, the whole nine yards. My dude was visibly shook. A bit lost for words, to be honest. But said he really appreciated the input and would look into fixing this internally. And that was that. Three days later, the coach resigned in search of greener pastures and probably a new job. It's unbelievable that the higher-ups would prevent this guy from helping train the newbies, especially when the training they're receiving is completely useless. It's pointless to the job and it does nothing to help them get their job done. I can't believe that someone who's worked there for that many years was being threatened to be punished for doing their job. It's absolutely crazy. This story proves that you definitely have a lot more power in your hands than you may realize as an employee of a company. But what do you think? What would you have done in this situation? This next one is every college student's nightmare. So I was in a speech class. It was my last semester. Completely on online due to COVID. Our professor assigned us a group speech that we were to record and send to him by the due date. I thought it would be easy enough as he gave us two weeks to work on it, and group speeches weren't anything new to me. He even made separate discussion boards for our groups that we could use to communicate. This project was worth 30% of our grade, so failing this project meant you would pretty much fail the course. I wanted to get it done early, so we wouldn't have to worry about it, so I immediately post a message to everyone in the group asking when they were free to do a zoom meeting to discuss the project no reply came for a few days by any of them i then posted again this time a little more stern as it didn't seem any of them cared enough to even reply at all i waited a few more days at this point we only had a week left before it was due so i just divided up the work and posted what everyone would need to write their portion of the speech about and gave them a date and a time that i would be holding a zoom meeting for the final recording to send to the professor. Still, no reply. It was now the day before the speech was to be recorded and two days before the speech was due and my group members had not made an attempt to make contact in any form at all. So I did the only thing I could think of and emailed my professor explaining the situation, but I assumed he would not reply because throughout the entire semester, it took him over a week to reply to any emails I had sent him. I then did the entire group project on my own, which took me the entire night with no sleep. After I finished writing everyone's speech, it was around the time I had scheduled the Zoom meeting to record. I joined it out of amusement, knowing nobody in my group would be there. Sure enough, it was empty. So I did the entire speech myself. But the rubric really put emphasis on transitioning to other group members, including saying their name. So, between every section where it would cut to a different member, I would say something like, and now my name will explain the importance of blah blah blah. Then mute my screen briefly as if to add a cut, put on a different hat, and continue the speech. I did this for all six portions of the speech. I turned in the speech shortly after and filled out the group member role sheet that was do as well. I just put my name in every box that was supposed to be a different group member. A week passes, and I see he graded the project, still not replying to my previous email about the situation by the way. And he gave me a zero, stating it was supposed to be a group project, and me doing it solo meant I did not follow instructions. I was actually infuriated by this. I knew that emailing him about the grade was as good as useless, so I went straight above him to the board of the college and explained to them what happened. They apologized, and said said the situation would be resolved, and within a few hours of me talking to the board, he had replied to my email three times, stating that he was sorry for the miscommunication about the project, and that my grade would be corrected. He even scolded me for going above him, saying, I should have just emailed him again if I couldn't get in contact with my classmates, and putting the blame on me for not trying harder to reach out to them. The next semester, I saw that he was no longer with the school. My guess is that it was a habit of his to not reply to emails. Emails, and he got fired for it. Also, his corrected grade was a 70, but I was so mentally exhausted from the situation at this point that I didn't care to fight it anymore. Group projects are the bane of anybody's existence, and this student definitely knows the pain of it. There's nothing more disappointing than trying to rely on other people who are definitely not going to help you. Being in a group project with people who are not cooperating, or in this case, not even there, is like trying to juggle a bunch of plates. Eventually, some are gonna fall and they're gonna crack. The student did the right thing going above the teacher who was clearly not helping him. It's better to try and get some kind of grade for something you worked on, especially when your classmates and your group members didn't help you, than to try and take a zero from a professor who is too incompetent to even check his email. What would you have done in this situation? Would you have gone to the school board to try and get this grade corrected? I worked at a company that gave out exorbitant amounts of vacation. Anyone who worked there for 25 plus years received eight weeks of vacation and two weeks of personal time. This was a family owned company but rather large. We ran three shifts totaling 250 people. Enter Jimmy. Jimmy was a grizzled old man. He started at the company when he was just 20 and now that he was 63, he simply didn't care. Jimmy also knew how to make a specific part for our product, him and one other higher up in the office. One day the plant owner comes out and announces he's selling to a corporation. He's older and ready to retire. He promises that there will be very little change and wishes us all well. The new company comes in and immediately goes after many of the great benefits we had. The first thing they do is cut everyone's max vacation down to four weeks and completely do away with personal time. Anyone who has maxed out had until December 31st of that year to use it up and they wouldn't pay it out. They then go into the office and clean house firing anyone who's close to retirement, including Jimmy's backup. But they also do away with one very important rule. You know Longer have to get vacation approved. You just call in and take it. Jimmy was pissed, and they know it. They realize he's the only one in the building that can do his job now, so they hire a new kid for him to train, most likely to permanently replace Jimmy. So Jimmy does what anyone would do he calls in the first training day for the new hire and lets us know he's going to use all his PTO at once and promptly takes. 10 weeks off. We had a back stock of parts he had made, so it wasn't too unnerving. But for 10 weeks, Jimmy went and applied to other jobs, found one, and started. Fast forward 10 weeks. It's the day Jimmy is supposed to return. He doesn't. For two days they try calling him and even go to his house. He's nowhere to be found. Finally, on the third day he calls and resigns and they lose their collective minds. The parts he makes are specialized and patented by the original founder. You can't just hire someone off the street to make them. What eventually happened was they had to contract the original owner to come in and teach some new hires how to make them. And when he found Doubt what all they had done. It pissed him off. The last I heard, he charged them a seven-figure contract to teach them how to produce the parts, and they had to pony up or close down. Moral of the story: don't mess with people's vacation time. Jimmy in this story is my absolute hero. If someone came in and took away my benefits that I'd worked my entire career for, and in Jimmy's case, his entire life for. I would be livid. How on earth can you expect anybody to want to be loyal to your company if you're not loyal to them first? It's a tragedy that so many people got let go because they were close to retirement. But Jimmy did it the best. Nothing's more gangster than showing up and saying, I'm taking 10 weeks off. And then in those 10 weeks finding a new job to replace the job that's screwing you over. Jimmy is my hero. People like that are fantastic to work with because you know for a fact they're going to get things done. Working with a Jimmy in an office is a fantastic Fantastic experience. Nine times out of ten, they are absolutely hilarious, and they're going to tell you exactly what they feel about the company they're working for. What would you do in this situation? Leave a comment down below. Let us know. Thank you so much for watching. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and turn on notifications so you never miss a video.